Theme music, please. Aloha, I'm Mick Calber. And I'm Bruce Omori. And you are... On Hawaiian Time! On Hawaiian Time is a podcast where Bruce and I talk story about life unfiltered here on the Big Island. Before we get going, we want to share a couple of ways you can help us keep this podcast going. Right now, this project is in beta mode. That means that we're kind of feeling things out to see if we can actually make it work over the long haul. And we're still learning along the way. So if you like what we're doing, please consider a donation, big or small. You can also help by buying some of our merchandise or Bruce's Ono Coffee. All of these helps to chip away at the costs, as we've invested a bit of money into this, including gear, hosting sites, and plenty of labor. Go to onhawaiantimepodcast.com to find donation and merch links. But by far the best thing you can do to help us is tell your friends and family about this podcast. If you spread the word about On Hawaiian Time Podcast, we can build our audience, and everything else kind of takes care of itself. And if you have ideas about how to make this podcast better, by all means, let us know. Aloha, and welcome to yet another episode of On Hawaiian Time. I'm joined here by my wife, Anne, in Leilani Estates. Aloha. And I'm in Kona with our producer, Tim. Hey there. So what in the world are you guys doing way over in Kona? (laughs) Well, we're here at the airport with our special guest, Cal Dorn, the owner and CEO of Paradise Helicopters. Thanks for having us here at Paradise, Cal. Uh, Aloha, everyone, and thanks for coming over and and joining me today over in beautiful, sunny Kona. (laughs) (laughs) How's it, Cal? Good. How about you, Mac? Good, bro. It looks like it's sunny over there, maybe on, on the Hilo side. It's it is it's stunning. Gorgeous. Today over here. Wow. It's gorgeous. Nice. Really glad to have you with us, Cal. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you. We really felt the heat stepping out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're in Kona now. <laughs> Get the mold out of your bones. Yeah. Yeah. For those who don't know, Cal is the person that paired Mick and I up in the helicopter to document Kilauea's activity. 2014? Was it 2014? I Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was... None of us can remember that far back. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. I, but it was just, it seemed to be the right thing to do to get the two people that I knew that are easy to work with and, and get out and document the volcano. So it was kind of a natural thing. Oh, hey, Mick, you, you mind going with the guy, this guy, Bruce, I uh, worked with for a couple of days on a, on a shoot. And uh, yeah, then we flew and it was great. So. Yeah. You know, Cal, I was I was trying to remember back when you and I first met, and I know we've talked about this before, but I still don't exactly remember. I think, I think Bruce and I met out on the flow. I actually yep. shot him for an NBC special um, before we started flying together. I should say before Bruce and I started flying together. But do you remember where we met, Cal? You know, Mick, I, I don't really remember. I kept thinking it was all the way back to uh, like 1993, 92, 93 when I was over. That was a long time ago anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, our, at our age, we're forgiven for not remembering <laughs> yeah. that far back. I call it the 1900s. It kind of puts it into perspective. <laughs> you know? So, you know, we know that you guys do tours. 
and photo charters, obviously, because we mm. do them with you. But what else does Paradise do? Well, we, we've done training. We do a lot of utility work. So, uh, you know, I've, I've pulled a little bit of electrical line. I've uh, put live uh, people down places to open up LZs and did law enforcement stuff before that. And uh, I've torn harvest. down a green harvest. <laughs> yeah, it was green harvest. Not so much anymore. Uh, you know, pour cement, um, do a little bit of ag work, uh, fertilizing. Uh, we do lifts downtown Honolulu. There's one going on. I think it should be done now. Hopefully that all went well. I'm sure it did because I would have heard otherwise already. <laughs> but uh, air our tanks to the top of uh, a building in oh. Waikiki, and then next week we have a couple more. So you're air lifting tanks. Yeah, water tanks oh. to the top of <laughs> Marina Surf tanks. Not uh, yeah. We, What's we, going on over at Honolulu? We, we need a really big helicopter. That's <laughs> not gonna work. <laughs> so you've got your hands in a lot of pies there, Cal. We do, but uh, you know, with the uh, COVID virus thing, the only thing we got going is a little bit of conservation support work uh, and the ag work and the lift jobs. So yeah. Uh, we're pretty much dead in the water. Uh, yeah, we're, we got uh, six, seven, eight aircraft holding out down the blacktop out here in Kona. Oh, I call them wow. the tarmac anchors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that you've been so good, Cal, with the community when things like missing hikers or the, the rescues done with animals. Uh, I really appreciate that you've always been there and willing to jump in and support the community and the needs that people had, even... I know that you've, you know, uh, sent in or, or taken in um, personal items to those people that were, you know, landlocked with the lava. So, you know, I really appreciate all that you've done, you know, pro bono for our community. And a lot of that, Cal, is unheralded. You know, a lot of people don't even know the things that you guys do. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of like it that way. I like we're, you know, we're in business. To, we have to make money so we can pay for helicopters, pay for fuel. And while we're making the money, then we can put things towards the community. And that was easy. Now, not so easy. I mean, we had the lost uh, diver up up north and they called. And they, well, I, I'm actually coming back from the north. So I can, I'm going to, you know, squeeze in 10, 15 minutes, a uh, little quick search. But we can't afford the fuel now. So we, we can't be. Unfortunately, it, it's painful to admit that we can't yeah. can't do anything anymore without getting money for the flight time. Helicopters are stinking expensive little machines. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I know um, one of your pilots, Ryan, actually spotted those uh, fishermen that got swept away. Right. Right. That was right. Last year, I believe. A couple years ago. A couple now. Years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he spotted them, and they were way offshore. It floated down to Waimanu Valley from the Kukugali Lighthouse, and they were floating back towards Waipio. He said they were a half mile to a mile offshore. Crazy. He was actually with me when we were, when we flew back from Kohala and uh, looked for that guy. I'm thinking, okay, well, I got somebody who can spot things here. <laughs> my eyes are getting a little older, but yeah. yeah. That's great work that you do, and I know I also participated with you on a search in Waipio Valley recently for that missing hiker that was that's right never found I, yeah. unfortunately and um also on oahu there was a missing hiker and i did a couple we, flights with josh up there yeah we spent a lot of time and that, that yeah. same group just did the uh, search for that older gentleman on north shore oahu mm. and uh, josh over in oahu uh 
we spent quite a few days, yeah. um, hours flying on that. Um, that was, they were able to fund it through GoFundMe, I believe it was, mm. for that, that same guy. That he, he sets up a good search yeah. group and uh, good procedures and everything else. Really, nice. really good to see because that really augments what the, what the public sector can put out. Yeah, that's good work that you guys do. Thank you. You were talking about the animal rescue during the 2018 oh, eruption. That was something else. I mean, Bruce, you were obviously there and Mick and I were there. And that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Can you, Cal, talk a little bit about the challenges and what went into that? Yeah, that was it was a lot of fun. So uh, I definitely had a lot of fun doing that and, and meeting uh, Jacob Muse that had, had come up with the uh, the cattle net. So you could drop this thing over live animals that would run into the side of the net and then you release the net and then pull it up. So it kind of just folds into the side of the net. And, uh, but it's what, about a 15 foot circle. You're flying around in the air trying to catch a cow. <laughs> and once they started getting the idea, this thing was coming after them. <laughs> <It was, laughs> I couldn't fly that thing fast enough. You nailed one the first time, the very first time. Yeah. I was impressed. Very yeah. impressed. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> If they just hold still, we could have gotten them all a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, they're not willing subjects, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, the, the very first day when we got that uh, the cow and her calf, uh -huh. uh, that one, of course, the next the next time we went out, it was all burned over. I think it was the very next day we went out that's to right. AT&T Tower. It was all burned over, so that we, we saved their life. And she was not happy at all about uh, leaving her calf out there. Then we went back out and got her calf. So. yeah. Yeah, that entire area. Is that, is that up. the one that showed up with a big burn in her side? There was one of them had a big burn hole in the side mm, in their hide. No. I don't think it was the one yeah. with that that shrapnel injury. Yeah. Huh? That was crazy. Yeah, oh. that was crazy. I didn't even know one had that. I mean, yeah. I can't see that from the <laughs> from my side of the helicopter. Yeah, for oh. for those that uh, haven't watched the video, I mean, it's quite a amazing to be in the helicopter when Cal is doing this. Uh, this rescue mission with the, um, the large animals dropping that net over him because he's flying, avoiding power lines, trees, fences, and trying to drop this ring over a cow that's not wanting to be caught. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, like free falling for a short distance in the helicopter to drop that net over the cow. And it's quite... Um, Quite the fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been a little scary though, too, back there, right? Because yeah, I'm, I'm on the controls, and you, I know what I'm doing or trying to avoid. You're probably thinking, "Yeah, does he see that tree? Does he see that rock?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking around and I see these coconut trees, and I'm thinking, "I hope Cal sees those." <laughs> but I, you know, I was having fun in the back shooting this yeah. whole operation. But I know Jake got sick yeah. because of all of the ups and downs and turns and everything i mean pretty amazing flying man oh thanks yeah that was a, that was a, a lot of fun i would uh i would be volunteering to go do it again <laughs> and as you know when you get done you get well we actually saved those cows you know so yeah save the cows save the sheep this is really the first day just doing that was was pretty incredible and then the next couple times we filled even more out yeah and went and, to the poheke side right yeah I remember the weather that day was crazy. It was sunny like this one moment, and then the next moment it was driving rain and wind. 
And it was just, it was intense. And then being on the ground in the cinder pit, you know, the wash from the helicopter was spitting (laughs) cinders and rocks all over the place. I think Mick's camera broke, my camera broke. (laughs) (laughs) We got drenched. Got drenched. Sun came back out. Then I think after being out there about four or five hours, I'm thinking, wow, I should have eaten more for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long day. Yeah, but all's well that ends well. Because you say, how many animals did you save, Cal? You know, I don't know the number anymore. I mean, the first day was eight or nine or maybe even more. So I, I think we're 20 something animals. Wow. At least. Amazing. I think so. And That's then, great. you know, we had the, we were searching for cats and then we had going out for dogs and uh, a couple of other pilots went out and, and, and dropped in the Humane Society people and yep. pulled stuff out. You That's know, right. it's. They rescued a whole bunch of cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah a whole bunch of cats. They'd yeah. catch them in cages and then we'd fly them all out. Yeah. It's the only way to get out at that time. Yeah. And then shortly after that, well, we started uh, hauling fuel in so they could keep that AT&T site running, which was probably the main site for everybody in the area. To yeah. keep the cell tower yeah. active? Yeah. yeah. They, they were cut off. You know, they're right down the ridge from Poiki Geothermal, so they didn't have power anymore because Poiki Geothermal is offline and... Yeah. There was that generator that ran that thing 24 hours a day for, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe a year, was it? Wow. We just quit not the, t- quit taking fuel out about six months ago. Oh, so, wow. Oh, yeah. kidding. Yeah. Every two weeks. Well, let's switch gears a little bit here, Cal. Can you give us an idea of how you started this company? Uh, how I started the company? Well, I guess that it comes back to uh, coming to Hawaii and working for somebody for uh, a few years and then um, had a, a good friend uh, that came out, was was looking for a job, and we uh, looked at a company, thought, hmm, I, I think we can do this ourselves and not have to worry about bosses that, you know, the way they operate. And uh, <laughs> that was, uh, we, we purchased uh, Paradise Helicopters. It was uh, called K&S Helicopters, and it's still the corporate name. Uh, 1999, January 1st, 1999, we started our own operations, just uh, myself and my partner as pilots originally. And then um, we expanded to two aircraft by September, got a Hughes 500 uh, online. And that that Jet Ranger, we ran for a number of years. And then, uh, you know, from there, just every opportunity that came up, we... uh, Seem to be able to purchase another helicopter. And along along the way, the the partner needed to move to the mainland, and you know partnerships always end up not so good initially. But then you know hard feelings out at this point. It's a long road to try to keep everything moving. Wow. Where were you before '99? What were you doing, and where were you? Uh, I mo- we moved uh, moved the whole family in 1990 to Kauai. So in 1990, we moved to Kauai. My oldest daughter uh, turned one on Kauai, and then my uh, older son was born on Kauai, and we were there about a year and a half and moved to the Big Island uh, right right here in Kona, and uh, everything fell into place. I ran an operation for another outfit and uh, bought the house we still have. Uh, it all happened pretty quickly, and it was meant to be, I guess, at some point. And, uh, nice. And... Then changed companies in 1995 and in 1999 changed companies to our own. So, and that nice. was a start of paradise. So you've got a background in the military, right? Yes. I, I got a bachelor of science in forest management from Humboldt State University and uh, always thought I'd work in the woods for the rest of my life, but ended up in the Marine Corps flying helicopters 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I worked for a defense industry down in Southern California for a, a contractor, and and that was kind of coming to a to an end. Uh, that was a Star Wars research stuff, and so the end of the Cold War was kind of winding that whole thing down, and ended up coming to Hawaii. So best move we made. Nice. Do you guys end up uh, hiring a lot of ex-military guys in terms of pilots? or We do. Uh, and uh, it ended up being mostly prior Marines uh, mm. because once you start getting one, then they know somebody else is looking for a job. And, uh, you know, I, I had tried to hire people that were in my peer group. Most of them, if they didn't have a job, they weren't really, still weren't sure what they wanted to do. So that, that was a little, that dried up pretty quick. But we got the new younger generation that was just kind of freshly out of the out of the military, realizing now that this this corporate world sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I want to go fly helicopters in Hawaii, and you know we still have those people. And then and then slowly transitioning to the local people is, you know, if I can hire local pilots because they their whole support structure is here. They're not they're not having to move back to the mainland for family. They're here. They they support the land. They you know they they really want to be here. So that that's kind of always been my push but first off you got to get pilots you trust and uh, I, I think we've gotten done quite well for that a lot of people have left but we still have uh, a pretty large contingent of, of prior marines we have an army one air force guy i gotta get lost a couple of army guys actually so uh, a couple cool. of army reserve guys nice tell us where you grew up where I grew up. I, I uh, originally was in Southern California, Riverside area, uh, then moved to Ventura, California, and we finished my senior year of high school there after a one-year stint in Japan. I almost forgot about that one, but I did an oh, exchange nice. student in Japan for a year. Grew a fantastic experience, really opens your eyes to other culture. Uh, to actually live there for for a year and and uh, didn't even want to leave. I, my parents wanted me to leave and wanted me to come back. But I was like, I think I could have just stayed there and and continued. But uh, one year in uh, Ventura in high school and then went to college in Northern California, Humboldt State for the uh, degree in forestry. Then uh, working for the Forest Service at the time of my life and uh, I needed a winter job. And that's how I ended up in the military. So nice. Marine Corps is the furthest thing from my mind. But uh, hey, they uh, suddenly had, oh, I can learn how to fly a helicopter. I've been on a helicopter uh, fighting fire with the Forest Service. <laughs> so this, that sounds pretty fun. So that, <laughs> that's how I got into it. Before that happened, Cal, did you ever think about you'd like to fly a helicopter or own a helicopter company? Was that ever in your mind? No, no. Furthest thing from my mind. I think I yeah. always wanted to uh, saw myself living in the woods someplace and working for the Forest Service was actually, a, <laughs> it, it was great fun. Yeah, I, I still look back to that. I still think about that. I'm curious about what unfolded as COVID came into Hawaii. How did that affect or what was the process that happened at, at Paradise? Uh, yeah, that's a mystery. No, I, as as COVID started appearing, you know, nobody was... In my viewpoint, I remember the president saying, you can't fly to China. They're like, oh, great. We're going to lose all the tourists from China because they can't come in anymore. And then, you know, everybody's up in arms about it. And then next thing I know, <laughs> we, we're not getting anybody from anywhere and everybody's <laughs> canceling. I mean, there's 60, 70 percent cancellations. So uh, March was a total bust. Uh, January, February, not good. Uh, so that just everybody was canceling. And then looking at it going, oh, OK, well, a 15 day quarantine, then we'll be. You know, coming back to business won't happen right away, but 
now here we are months later. I still feel like uh, kind of like you're in the ring with somebody that just hits you every time you begin to step out and uh, you got to change your, your mode again. So, yeah. and here we are still, we're looking at August for maybe some tourism in Hawaii and yeah, it's all understandable. We don't, nobody wants to get sick, but uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult for a tourism based company. So uh, thank goodness for government bailouts because now I've taken money from the government and that's the only way we can keep the doors open and keep paying for the tarmac anchors out there, the couple of them that we owe money on. <laughs> yeah, tough business environment yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 Huh. So if you weren't flying helicopters, what would you be doing? Well, they recently, uh, two years ago, ended up with a little bit of an avocado farm split with a family. So yeah, I'd be up uh, replanting trees and everything, which should just do <laughs> all weekend long, Saturday, Sunday. It's uh, pretty much hard at it, trying to trim things back. And it was it was just a jungle when we took over. We didn't even know we had so many avocado trees because they're covered over by vines and, and bushes and you couldn't even get underneath them. But 170 some odd avocado trees spread across uh, the, uh, the property. And Amazing. now they're all open and mowed underneath and we actually know what they are and where they're and how they're doing. Well, Cal, how'd you, how'd you get into that? I mean, helicopters, avocados, you know. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Well, yeah. Well, I think it stems back to my forestry degree and living in a subdivision. As if we were living in a subdivision, I sometimes thought I was existing in a subdivision because forestry and growing up camping and, and being, uh, you know, out in the woods, uh, that's kind of where I wanted to be. So my dream was always, I'm going to get a 20 acre square of land with my, my house smack dab in the middle. I got no neighbors. <laughs> well, we're going to settle for five and, you know, some neighbors close by that are family, but they're, they're still quite a ways away. So that, that's how that all came about for avocado. But, uh, you know, forest degree, I like trees. So I'm by default, I'm the uh, avocado tree trimmer. So, you know, I got to get out there and trim avocado trees. Nice. And Kona has the perfect weather for avocados. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah and those are, they're, those are Ono avocados. I have to say, thank yeah. you so yeah, much. You've shared some with us that. and we've enjoyed some great meals. So oh, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, those are not the ones that we can export too. So the exportable ones are only the Charwell avocados, mm. which, which they are really good. They're real buttery, real, real creamy. Uh -huh. Um, you gotta you gotta pick them just right. They can't have blemish. You know, you get number ones, number twos. I think it is, and and that's all they can export. So everything else is kind of calls, but we'll sell locally, or it, we still haven't developed all that. But it's quite an industry in, in in Hawaii. It's a tough it's a tough business. It certainly isn't. You know, growing up in Southern California and seeing the Haas market, you know, take off, and we got far better avocados, I think. Yeah, for you know, sure. But it it's uh, labor intensive. Yeah, the Haas are so small, yeah. so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> they do have bigger <laughs> ones, but I'd say most of the time they're like little avocados, you know? Yeah. So, so do you think the avocado industry or business in Hawaii is underserved? It, could it could it actually be something? I, I The main problem is the fruit fly mm. issue. So in order to become certified to have our avocados go to the uh, distribution center, then you know, we had to put out fly traps and trap flies for like six months prior, and then we could get certified to take our stuff to the to the wholesaler, who then would ship it to the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. So avocados in Seattle are 
got a lot of Hawaii avocados and just that one variety. But well, we have all these other varieties. I think they're every bit as good. The the ones we we sent back to you guys, you know, that's kind of like, well, kind of a trash avocado, but they're as good as anything else, right? <laughs> well, good. we'll yeah. take them. They're oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So Kel, what what's harder, growing avocados or flying helicopters? <laughs> Well, the avocados take care of themselves, but the hell I got to be let, let, let loose the controls. It's not, yeah, that's the end of your day. So, yeah, helicopter's a little bit tougher. Yeah. So uh, did you hear, did you see the joke about the, the avocado that's looking in the mirror and it looks in the mirror and says, well, yeah, I'm fat, but I'm good fat. <laughs> no, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be heart healthy and uh, yeah, it's supposed to be good for you. Yeah. yeah, I don't exactly. eat it. Believe it or not, I don't eat enough avocado. I seen the other day, where's my, I haven't made guacamole in months. <laughs> Spend all weekend, like, just doing things, but uh, not eating Macadamias avocados. are supposed to be good fat, too. Yeah, well, the pigs on our, you know, we have macadamias, too. So we have about an acre or two of macadamias and hoping to get a little adjoining parcel has another three and a half acres of macadamia. But the pigs are fat. So the pigs are eating avocados and macadamias. That's that they're good eating. So. I, I guess they're good fat, but it, it kind of depends on how many you eat. You know, there's a limit. Yeah, yeah. You get to a certain point, maybe not so good. Yeah. So let's take a quick break here. A little pause in our story, so we can let you guys know how you can help keep this podcast going. Right now, you can buy some coffee on on HawaiianTimePodcast.com. Click on the merch and. You'll find my coffee there. Yes. Along with some other good stuff. What can we get there, Mick? What else can we find there? Well, you can also get a mug or a t-shirt. There's all kinds of good stuff. Yep. Awesome. Please support On Hawaiian Time Podcast. We're getting ready to wrap up season one. We want to do a season two. We need your help. We do. (laughs) So also give us a rating, a five-star rating, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Subscribe to us, right, on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, if there's a place there to rate and uh, give us a review, please do. Five-star ratings are good. Reviews are good. There you go. We also want to send a shout-out to our contest winner, Lisa Grable from North Carolina. Hey, 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 Lisa. Mahalo, Lisa. Oh, I bet she's going to spend it well. (laughs) Put it right back into the merch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we got a great guest here, Cal Doran's with us, so let's get back to the conversation. Well, I have a question. Mick, you still got those coffee cups with the uh, smiley face on them? Well, you know, we have a few of them that don't change colors, but we don't have any of the cha- color-changing ones. So we just have the ones that um, are the just like our on Hawaiian Time co- uh, coffee mugs. They just have the picture on them. But it's a smiley face. You know, yeah. people like the okay. smiley face. Well, yeah. I, I like my smiley face one with the uh, changing color, but I have no idea <laughs> where that went. <laughs> I don't have it anymore. Magic. They're kind Magic of expensive to cup. produce, you know. It's not it's not a real big money maker, so it's yeah. kind of a lot of work for no reward. But yeah. we'll put that in the suggestion box. Yeah. Okay. That was a fun That's flight, great. right, Mick? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing flight, the smiley face. Set yeah. off uh, 61G into the ocean that day. Yeah, that's right. Like she was smiling because yeah. she made it or something. I don't know. <laughs> so obviously you guys, uh, Paradise has many different pilots, Cal. Yes. Um, and when Mick and Bruce fly and, and do photo flights, they may be with a different pilot. But you've flown with them a bunch, right? 
Are there any memorable flights that you have flying with Mick and Bruce? Yeah, they were all a lot of fun. I, I think the very first flight, I was a little nervous getting Mick and Bruce together. Mick said, ah, I've met Bruce before. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm waiting for a little <laughs> more out of that. But then, uh, you know, we get out there and start having fun and uh, the banter started going. And then I think the next couple of flights, it just got better and better. And, uh, yeah. you know, it was great fun. So I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning, driving over to Hilo so I could go do those early morning <laughs> flights. But uh that kind of wears on me after a while. So I, <laughs> Tell yeah, me about it, it Tell me. What was going on in 2014 um, to where you guys originally got together to start flying daily? Yeah, the, uh, an eruption. Well, the eruption from Pu'u'u'u, it started, um, it broke out on the northern flank of Pu'u'u'u and started heading toward Pahoa. And um, that was, I think, the first time it actually flowed on the inland side of the East Rift Zone in a long time. Yeah, we didn't yeah. even know it could do that. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, I can remember that the first couple of days we were watching that big flow move down along like parallel to the East Rift Zone. And then it entered this crack and the crack kind of channeled the lava and just kind of shot it straight toward Pahoa. Um, and how long was that, that, that crack? It went about a mile, I think, in the crack, but it went really quickly down that, down that distance. And the next thing you know, it was down by the, the pad where they were uh, originally going to build the geothermal down there. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, then flowed down toward Kaohe before it turned down to Pahoa. So it was pretty scary for a lot of people in Pahoa and the surrounding area. You know, people were worried not only about losing homes and businesses and all of Pahoa, but at crossing the highway and being cut off. You know, there was a big concern about how we're going to get out of here if the thing comes down. So yeah. um, it was uh, it was nerve wracking for a while. Yeah, it was kind of an uncertain time. Y yes. Yeah. yeah. I if all along, I, I used to point out that uh, that crack that that thing flowed in because it's right next to the 77 flow, the old, uh, and then there's some lava, there were lava trees out there. So I used uh -huh. to always try to point that out on tours. And then it was, it's a huge crack. And somewhere back in the past, I had flown out there with uh, one of the geologists from the Volcano Observatory. And we had hiked out to this little pu'u out there and it was, it was a little bit dicey going because there's all these cracks in the ground. I, you know, you don't know that flying by, but down on the ground, there's crack after crack after crack as we're just making our way. We probably didn't go very far, probably less than a half a mile hiking to this little poo that wow. that sat a little cinder cone sat out there. And, you know, they just, just to see that lava flow enter that big crack that I'd always watched and then running all the way down there to the uh, forest geothermal. It, uh -huh. Incredible. Yeah, pretty mind-blowing um, yeah. activity there. Uh, Cal, Bruce, and Mick always refer to themselves as lava junkies. Would you refer to yourself <laughs> as a lava junkie? Uh, I might be an avocado junkie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, you know, if if I lived on the Hilo side, I probably would have done all those flights because it's so much fun, you know, but, but having always been over here and now running a bigger company than I had intended, you know, I'd probably not as much of a lava junkie. You just got to do what I got to do to keep everything moving in one direction. Yeah. 
can understand. But man, it's you know it's fun. There's just something about it, you know, that's hypnotic. It draws you in, and it it's you can't get enough of it. You know, it's just I want to watch it again and again and again. It it was diminished just slightly when it was in my backyard. (laughs) um, Other than that, you know, I love it. It's really fascinating. I mean, the color. Yeah. There is there's no even describing that color. And it changes colors depending upon the light. You know, it can be it can be white, it can be red, it can be orange, it can be black. It's just crazy. You yeah. know, the plethora of colors that it puts out. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, there's no reason for me to be out there at night, but I have hiked out there at night a bunch of times just to not I'm not taking pictures or anything, just just to hear and uh, smell and see that's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I'm a close. bit of a lava junkie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, being close is a different experience. One of my favorite um, adventures we had with Cal was the uh, 2011 uh, Fisher eruption. Ah. We ah. heard about it at night and made called Cal, and he came flying over in the morning with some family Literally. members, <laughs> and uh, we took off. And that was just incredible to see it from a distance, to come in, to get a view. And and I always feel honored when I see a Paradise helicopter van with my picture on it. <laughs> yes. I, I captured one of the pictures of the helicopters. And that is always that's that always uh, really tickles me. So I really appreciate yeah, Marco that. Marco flying fun. for the for his first day on the that's job. Right. He's a <laughs> fissure that? eruption that's a mile and a half long. You know, that's yeah. right. the biggest fissure eruption we'd seen around here like that, ever. Yeah, that was, was a, that nuts. was amazing. Yeah, it was really beautiful. El Marco first day, and, and it, that was a Kaika Mar- Marzo in there too, I believe. Was it really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know I, that. I think so, or at least his no group. No kidding. Because oh you know, he kind of has that. He's in touch with the volcano somehow, and he 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 called up and wanted to go. I'm like, oh, all I got is this new guy. So uh, you know, Marco. <laughs> okay, Marco, you're up, man. Be, be safe. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he had no clue. Yeah. So he just think, thought that was like normal. This is every day in Hawaii. Yeah, I, I think it was all downhill <laughs> no. after that. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't beat that. No, that no was... I remember he was just super excited, but it was like, my, this is my first day. And I looked at him, this is your first day. Wow. <laughs> and you were, up, you were up front and uh, taking pictures with your camera and uh, had yep. Nick back there. And, and I remember I get the, um, the heat I caught from the USGS because we were flying down the rift zone and then saw those two geologists and I, I start turning yep. away and Mick's going, no, no, keep going straight, keep going straight. I can't, yeah, I got exactly. these guys. And then, and then turns out they're even complaining even more like, well, okay, yep. okay, oh whatever. Oh my gosh, getting, <laughs> yeah. getting Cal in trouble again. Yeah. <laughs> How much longer until the TFR went up, right? Well, it was hours, right? So we were <laughs> yeah, out there, exactly. and then within hours, they put up yeah. a TFR. Like, it didn't last very long. This is our volcano. It's not the public's volcano. Temporary flight restrictions. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're so familiar oh, well. with that. I don't know if you all know, but by the way, but I think the FAA finally caught on to all that TFR stuff, and uh, I don't think we'll be seeing those again. Oh, really? Oh. They, they get a little, they realize they were being a little bit overused. Uh-huh. So. Cool. That makes sense for some some things, and I think TFR over Leilani Estates, that kind of thing, so that uh, you know the National Guard can operate and everybody operates safely. That makes sense. The fact that they never let Mick and Bruce go out there with Paradise helicopters under inside the TFR is pretty baffling. Still, when I look back, like what? Well, it's media. Yeah, we that were was doing really media. Sad. We were we were we were the eyes of the public. 
on this volcano. It's a once in a lifetime thing for people all over the world and, and mix videos and Bruce's pictures. I mean, we went worldwide with that stuff, but yeah. we still couldn't get the authorization to get below 3000 feet. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. That that just speaks to how good you guys are at what you do. That from three thousand feet we could get pictures and video. We begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded and yeah. they would not Got relent. Rejected every single time. They would not allow that. And still to this day we get people that stop us that say that Bruce and Mix, you know, footage and images made a difference in their life, knowing whether their house was there or not, what was going on, you know. It just, you know, it makes us realize that covering these major events are going to be done a lot differently. It's not all government covered. We've got to let the people step up and, you know, uh, everybody pitch in to get the view out. It's not just waiting to be hand-fed by the government Well, officials. that whole event really showed how uh, valuable social media is. Exactly. You know, yeah. social media stepped up to the, to the plate there because nobody else was doing it. You know, the USGS isn't going to tell them what's happening on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis. The police aren't going to do that. The, you know, the civil defense isn't going to do that. Nobody was doing that. Yeah, and even when they did do it, even when civil defense did put out the information, yeah. it was it was oftentimes way late and even wrong. So yeah. it, it was, you know. It and was whether really the government crazy. is tied by having their insurance and all their obligations, but people would say, you know, we found out through you guys, and two weeks later the county called to confirm our house was gone. It's like, that's old news, Whoa. you know. Yeah. 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 Crazy times, man. Yeah. We talked about 2014, Pahoa, 2018, Leilani Estates. What about Kalapana? Were you guys flying like in the 90s when Kalapana was? I was. Getting? I I was flying, but uh, <laughs> yeah, not not on the big island. So yeah. in 90, uh, I think I came over this island in 91 the first time, and there was flows from the Kupai Naha, but they weren't they weren't doing much. They were just kind of a hole in the ground with some lava. I thought, Wow. Where, where was I just uh, five years earlier? I would have loved to have seen this. Those flows continued, right, though, for some years and mm-hmm. over 10 years and or I, so? Yeah. I really appreciated the relationship that Cal had with uh, Jack Thompson, uh, Red Roof Inn. That yeah. was pretty amazing. He was a, an incredible guy, and you brought in supplies to him a lot of times, and I'd always remember we'd be heading out there and you could see him run into his house and he'd change his clothes. He had his <laughs> official on-camera clothing that he'd come yeah. out with. And he was so glad to see you and just the relationship with you. He stuck. He was the last house out there. It was incredible. You know, I, I have a little story about that. The, the very first time I ever flew um, the high fountain eruptions, every time, first time I ever flew the volcano at all, I flew the high pot eruptions, and the eruption had made it actually over the poly, which is a long way. That's about four miles. And so it made it over the poly in one day because they only, when it high fountain, it only erupted for about anywhere from 12 to 30 hours or around there. So it made it over the poly, and Jack's house was just over the poly, which is the cliff, sea cliffs, in, um, in uh, Royal Gardens. And when I saw his house, the flow that from that eruption was right next to his house. And I thought, well, that house is gone, you know. <laughs> and that flow stopped, and it was 30 feet high, an uh-uh flow, all the way around Jack's house or all the way above Jack's house. So future flows after that didn't flow down over that. They went around it for years and years and years. And that's how he ended up being the last house out there. 35 years later... 30 plus years later, however many it was, 
his house is still there. I couldn't believe it, you know? Blew yeah. me away. Yeah. Actually, that's where we met Cal, yeah. right? Yeah. I was shooting for a production firm who was uh, using Sony's newest camera, F65 or something yeah. at the time. And uh, they wanted to get a, a shot to go on a trade magazine. And they were competing with Will Smith. There were two of those cameras in existence. A production firm with Ruben Carrillo from Oahu. Yeah. They had one and Will Smith had the other. Will Smith, <laughs> wow. So I was tasked with shooting um, shots of these guys using the camera, of course. Will Smith won. He won, won. Out. Will Smith made the cover. <laughs> he made the cover. We oh, did it. We had some awesome. I mean, yeah. My my best memory of of, of the very last night at at, uh, yeah, at Jack's at place. Jack's place was we were all there. The whole crew was out there, and and uh, everybody else is like tired, want to go to sleep. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm I'm going out. Uh, and Bruce said, oh, I'll go. So we really got to know <laughs> each other, became friends that yeah. first night, just watching that lava kind of realizing that I don't think Jack's got much time left here. And yeah. then it was the very next day at four o'clock, I think he called and uh, we sent two helicopters out there to retrieve him. But a good friend crazy. over a lot of years, uh, Jack, I still hear from him every once in a while. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, yeah, it's a sad time. I'd love to be able to go back out to Jack's house. So, yeah. so quiet, incredible view. A lot of, a lot of nights, I didn't never spend enough time out there, but nights out there with some of my kids uh, looking out over the, the lava going in the ocean, you could see the red embers floating around. If the cruise, cruise boat was coming by, you know, they, it's just, it lit up with uh, the flash bulbs. Everybody taking flash pictures of <laughs> lava and water at night. I don't know how that works out, but you know, it was like, it was just no. exploding with the, with the lights. Uh, and a beautiful place. And yeah, he, he always had guacamole. Was. I don't know why I can't get <laughs> guacamole, but, you know, <laughs> Jack had planted what avocado trees all around his place, plus, uh -huh. the, plus a couple of lime trees, and uh, he had avocados year-round. So there's no way to get into Jack's house other than a helicopter? No, well, well you Jack could, would walk out. Brought, and, yeah, and he also had a, a motorcycle that he would ride across the lava, which was a little sketchy, but... You know, you could do it. It was better than walking, I guess, if you were careful. Yeah. But, you know, that, that the flows went on either side of his house for years. Yeah. He, his house was a perfect location for people to go out and party a little bit and hang out and, and see a flow. Within a half yeah. a mile or a mile of his house would be a flow. There was, there was one huge flow in 2008 that Cal uh, flew with us, yeah. and it, yeah. it had— the, the flow had broken out near the vent with a dome, and there was a yeah. long two-mile flow. That went on for a few days, and then that stopped. And almost immediately after that, I think it was a week after that, it broke out right next to Royal Gardens. And this huge, we called it a flash flow because it happened so quickly, and it was so big. And it was right next to Jack's. And that flowed down, dumped into a big crack. It was going into the ocean at that time. Literal explosions and everything were happening at the ocean. But that was really, really close to Jax. That's when we kind of wondered, uh-oh, you know, is Jax going to get taken? But what a great flight that was, yeah. Cal. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that was a memorable day, uh, landing yes. and, and dropping us off and, and almost saying, well, maybe we could stay overnight and just sit out. It was absolutely a gorgeous flow, yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I, and you, you took a picture of me uh, standing by the flow, and I still use that on like LinkedIn. You know, I don't <laughs> update anything very often, but uh, there's my LinkedIn nice. pictures from that uh, that you took. Uh, so I remember that's great. I yeah. remember that night that we spent at Jack's. Um, 
he was giving me a tour of his house and we were standing in his bedroom. He said that uh, he was finishing up his home, pounding uh, like trim on his windows or something. And it was early in the evening. It was dark already. And he said that as he was finishing pounding that nail in, he saw this glow out of the window and wondered what it was. Well, that was in January of 1983. Poo-o-o came to life. Mm. (laughs) Crazy. Just as he was finishing his house. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So he just lived out on the lava flow by himself for years and years, huh? Off the grid. Yep. (laughs) I remember when I went into Jack's house, Jack had a book on his coffee table. The book was survival into the 21st century. (laughs) 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 I always thought that was perfect. Awesome. What happened? His house eventually did get taken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That night that we spent uh, at Jack's, that Mm. was the last night anybody stayed there. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That flow that we saw that evening. Yeah. Yeah. Came down the next day. Because that had already piled up over, you know, everything layer after layer after layer was reaching that 30-foot height and just adding material until it, Spilled right into his little kipuka there, a little yeah. hole in the in the lava. That was a huge yeah. flow yeah. that we saw. Yeah, we took that that afternoon flight out and loaded Jack up and watched and documented. And I have to say, I cried when we took off. You know, it had been there for so long, and and I, I cried as we lift off, yeah. knowing that this is the last time for Jack. Yeah, I, I even get teary eyed. I you know, but I didn't go often enough. Maybe it was why I'm get teary eyed. But I think of Jack's place and what it what it was like and. It was a special place. That was yeah. pretty neat uh, out there all by itself. And uh, yeah. Yep, the eight, Red Roof Inn. Yeah, Red Roof Inn. And, and Jack really, uh, <clears throat> 2008, after the uh, recession and everything was mm-hmm. dead, I remember mm-hmm. looking out and at the uh, my tarmac weights at that time and thinking, okay, well, this is it. If, if things don't pick up, we're done. I called up Jack and said, hey, Jack, how about we, we start – coming out to your place a little more often. Would you mind that? And uh, he said, no. Uh, so we worked out a deal and we started taking tourists out there. It wasn't, within a month, we were out there like three times a day. So and that <laughs> was, and it was, what a great experience for people. I'm sure a lot of them remember. Yeah, such a yeah. unique location. Mick, though. didn't you do Anthony Bourdain out there? Did you film that one? No. Ah. Oh, that would have been great. No. Yeah. Wow. But on on that show, he at the end he says, and unfortunately, uh, Jack Thompson's house was lost months later. But that wasn't true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, it was true. So he, he well, predicted Cal, the future. What does what does truth have to do with it? It's TV. Yeah, it's TV. <laughs> so what? Twenty ten yeah. or so? The how he lost his house there. Eleven, uh, maybe two thousand twelve or something. Hmm. I don't remember what year yeah, it was. Yeah, I want to say 2012 or something. Something yeah. like that. But you know, when he, when Jack, his house, he lost his house up there, he ended up moving to Inaloa. And he was right. actually threatened by the 2014 lava flow for a little while. <laughs> you know, we used to tease him that Pele was chasing him. Yeah. yeah. I think his home got taken after the um, that 2011 breakout at uh, Nepal Crater that you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah, it was after first that. day. Yeah, I think after that, when the activity returned to Pu'o'o. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that. We, should, we should remember that. I mean, it's just, it is yeah. kind of a time stamp. I remember, the, I remember the night. I remember the yeah. day. Yeah. You know? It should be burned in our memories. Yes, right? it should be. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Mick, you have that in one of your documentaries, that story of Jack's house? Well, I started doing it in the documentary I'm doing now, mm. but the... 
you know, 35-year retrospective, but I have so much stuff there that it's kind of hard to tell a long-winded story of Jack, but I don't know. Talking about it now, it sounds... It's a pretty interesting story. I may revisit that one, but we've got to get. I'm some trying to do a. I'm trying to do a short version now, which will probably end up being an hour and a half. You know, so you can imagine <laughs> what the long version looks like. We've got to get some photos and footage of Jack's house to to link to this podcast. Oh so yeah, I'm sure we can do that. Yeah, and Cal. Yeah, exactly. I know we do. Yeah, Cal. You guys continued to land at Jack's place once that flow cooled down. Yeah. Uh, after his house, yeah, yeah, we we did. We would take uh, kind of charters out there and land at a spot uh, until the lava came back in and made it kind of even more difficult to land there. It was it was a pretty interesting landing. You had yeah. a foot on either side of the skids, and if you didn't get it in the right spot, it'd be rocking back and forth. <laughs> it was not not comfortable. So we kind of yeah. Once it changed again, we we stopped doing that. But you know, mm-hmm. there's a satellite dish. It was one of the few things that remained in the two yeah, water tanks. Right. You could make out where they were, and everything else is gone. You know, a little bit of yeah. roofing material, but most of that's all gone now. So it's really hard to find a spot now. Yeah. 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 Just looking it up, uh, the house was uh, taken March 2nd, 2012. 2012. There you have it. 3-2-2012. No. Well, maybe I can remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe. Probably not, but... Uh, <laughs> I have a better chance of remembering it now. I always wonder. 3-2-2012. Kyle, you've got your son working with you now, right? Just recently? Yes, I, I do, yeah. He uh, always wanted to join the Marine Corps. I guess I told good stories when he was growing up or something other. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he joined the Marine Corps, uh, did a couple uh, deployments, and uh, decided he really wanted to come back to Hawaii. And at the same time, we had uh, somebody leave the charter department. So uh, he jumped right in, and uh, it's great being able to work with my son and uh just somebody that that jumps in and and knows the whole picture because growing up and you're you know your your dad's running a helicopter company I don't think you can avoid kind of knowing what's going on at the company so uh, cool. nice it's awesome so what's next for Paradise Helicopters <laughs> well we we hope that uh, August September will bring some tourists back to the, the back to the islands I mean the the whole state uh, you know it's it's a big chunk of the income for the state tourism sure is. Uh, there's a lot of talk about oh we don't want as many tourists and yeah i understand that you know we we all like it when the roads are open but we have so much to share in hawaii and uh i think it's a healing place people come here we have some landings that are you know i just love to get there again it, you just went out with us right we, yeah. we went out yeah it's good. Last week. we got a spot that you land on one side's the ocean the other side's got a waterfall and it's super quiet and uh, man, it's a healing place. And then we got into yeah. the valley, right? The cabin. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, some pretty, pretty amazing places. So that's kind of what we're looking forward to is uh, getting started back up and then do some health and wellness kind of things for people. They can be a tour, they can be a charter. And, uh, you know, you just, I think it, I think it uh, extends your life to get out and do that kind of thing. Get out of the helicopter, smell the, smell the dirt, hear the birds. You know, it's an, it is incredible. Yeah. Those of course, landing. that's coming from forestry major too. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little bit of that tree hugging mentality. Yeah. You know? Those <laughs> landing areas that you guys have on the Hamaku Coast and Kohala are yeah, truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I go out there, it's like uh, you know, I, I can't help but take more photos because <laughs> <laughs> they're so beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all that came about uh, supporting the uh, Kohala ditch in, in reality, but the supporting that company, That's right. flying their people out and then sling loads out. And you know, we've done a lot of work over the years, a lot of bags of cement and tools and iron and, you know, fuel for the tractor that's stuck in there and all these different things have been a lot of fun. It's, it's very, very good fun to actually get in a ditch and kind of monkey around in there too. But I'm the pilot. I always got to remember that. <laughs> I'm the only one that's going to be able to fly everybody out. So I just have to stand back and watch the fun. And those are all historical yeah. areas too. Uh, just amazing. Just yep. so mind-blowing every yeah. time I go out there. That whole ditch system, you know, and you think that there's the Hamakua ditch I've worked on and the, the Upper Waimea ditch I've worked on and then the uh, Kohala ditch. The only one I've not worked on is, I uh, um, can't even think of the name now. It's one up top. Do you remember that one? No. Mick. Google. Somebody help me. Yeah. <laughs> I had it on. I was thinking of that, the name, but um, yeah. There's another one up top. So, I mean, all these different water sources, pretty incredible. Yeah. You, you think that for the sugar industry, they they pulled all this water out for Kohala. The upper one was the was the one I can't think of the name, but uh, yeah, right uh, behind Kahua Ranch. It's up there in the in the wet area. Oh, for the guys listening that don't uh know what the Kohala ditch is all about um, in the late 1800s or was it early 1900s? Early 19s. Yeah. Um, the sugar industry needed irrigation water. So a group of tunnel diggers, ditch diggers from Japan were flown in or not flown in, brought in by barge. <laughs> <laughs> and they dug tunnels through the Kohala Mountains from valley to valley and uh, uh, diverted water to get to the more arid areas of Kohala. And uh, these tunnels are an amazing network of um, uh, concrete-lined um, ditches that carry uh, the fresh water from, mm. from these uh, valleys. Is the flume up there have anything to do with that? The yeah. Kohala flume yeah, ride? Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, so you can ride through those on a flume. Yeah, and that's an amazing tour. You float yeah. in a kayak and you go through these uh, tunnels that were dug. And there's actually like um, Japanese characters engraved in the rock oh, really? or the concrete. Yeah, yeah. The, the rock work. You know, the, the, a lot of the areas that they needed to, to do the rock work, you get cut rocks sitting in the side in these flumes. Yeah, and, Amazing. Uh, yeah, it, after the earthquake, you know, we replaced uh, Flume 1 with a pipe, which it used to be a uh, open air uh, wooden, you know, a, a oh. redwood, originally creosote soaked redwood, you know, the flume. And yeah. turns out that that's actually a little more resilient than that metal flume. It's pretty much done for that metal flume. Oh, really? It's a, another rock slide and a, it's leaking. So uh -huh. that wood will wood'll take a, a hit and also you can repair it easier. So. Mm. Interesting. And, and still in use today. Just a little note for our uh, mainland and other place listeners. The Big Island of Hawaii is one of the most geographically diverse places on the planet. We have everything here from semi-arid desert to we don't have polar ice cap, but we do get snow and everything in between. There are places where we have rainforest right next to deserts. It's one of the most incredible places I've ever seen in my life. So when things open up again, come see us.
and fly with Cal and Paradise Helicopters. <laughs> yes. Shameless plugs. That's Shameless. what we're all about That's a here. little plug. <laughs> well, you got you to flume the ditch. Well, that'll about, that'll about do it for this episode, guys. Mahalo, Cal. Mahalo. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. It was great fun. Yeah, Sit thanks, and reminisce Cal. for a while. Thank you. Mahalo. And don't forget, tell your friends about this podcast. We need your help to spread the word so we can keep doing this. Click on the merch link and uh, buy some stuff like my Kaumana coffee. Yeah. Good stuff. T-shirts, coffee mugs. And where do we find that, Bruce? At our website on hawaiiantimepodcast.com. Want to send a special thanks out to Joel Marcus, who designed our logo. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Joel. And we'd like to send a thank you out to Jamie at Silverline Sound. He's helped us with our great audio. So thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo, Jamie. (laughs) And, you know, if you guys haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, shame on you. Please do it right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us attract advertisers, and boy, do we need that to keep this podcast going. And I want to let people know that they can actually talk to us. Please go to the website, and on the episode page uh, on the right side is something called Talk Story With Us. You can send us a voice message. Tell us what you think of us. Uh, send us a question. Maybe there's someone you'd like to have join us. I don't know about tell them what you think of us. There. No, I, I, I want to hear. Oh, I want to hear. Anyway, it says uh, talk story with us. Send a voice message. You just press a start record and we'll receive it. Yeah, maybe we'll play your voice on the next podcast episode. Maybe. And then you can be on Hawaiian time. Yeah. Hey, I'm Mick Calber. I'm Bruce Amori. I'm Cal Dorn. It's Kahena Ditch, for all you want to know. I remembered. It didn't take an hour. He's he's floating down there. Okay, let's try that again. I'm Mick Calber. I'm Bruce Amori. I'm Cal Dorn. I'm Ann Calber. I'm Tim Coakley. And you've been... On Hawaiian Time. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys later. Aloha. Aloha. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Cal. Hey, good to see you, Ann. Thank you. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. You take care.